So, Jonathan, how's it going? Uh, Jahan, it's uh, going just splendidly. It's wonderful to be talking to you and uh, whatever audience uh, will tune in at this and any other time and space. Uh, let them, uh, shall we say, have abundant manifestations of consciousness of how sound can heal and transform. Awesome. How does that sound? That <laughs> sounds great to me. <laughs> All right, so give everyone a short idea about who you are and what you do. No, I sent you a bio, man. I hate talking about myself. Can't you? Uh... <laughs> I've been in the field for 40 years. I am considered one of the founding pioneers in the modern sound healing movement. Uh, I've got over a half a dozen award-winning, best-selling books. I've got over 25 award-winning, best-selling recordings. I'm a, a Grammy nominee. I have a, a, a master's degree in independent study researching the uses of sound and music for healing. I am the, let's see, I should pull out one of my books and read my bio. All right, let's see. Um, yeah, where is it? About the authors. Other things. I, I just recently had the wondrous experience. Okay, I am the author of uh, Seven Secrets of Sound, Healing, Healing Sound, Shifting Frequencies. This book, The uh, Humming Effect. Um, I'm a Grammy nominee. Uh, my recordings include Chakra Chance, Divine Name, Merkaba of Sound, and Reiki Chance. I'm founder director of the Sound Healers Association and CEO of Spirit Music. I've been named by uh, Watkins Mind, Body, Spirit Music as one of the 100 most spiritually influential people on the planet. I was inducted to the uh, Massage Therapies Hall of Fame. And just last month, the Energy Psychology uh, Association named me the Distinguished Person of the Year for my contributions to the field of sound and energy. So you've been a little and bit I'm busy. Happy. What? I said, so you've been a little bit busy. Uh, you know, <laughs> on a level, yeah, but as soon as when you begin to discover the extraordinary levels of what you know sound means, and yeah, as I said before, if you begin to understand that the life, the universe, and everything is actually just an aspect of uh, vibration and consciousness, then everything on this this plane of existence and all other planes of existence can be dealt with working with the concept of sound, which is therefore, I'm going to actually talk right now about the four basic principles of using sound for healing. This is, these, we call these the four pillars of sound healing. How does that sound? You must be reading my mind. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that's one of the things that happens when you work with sound and mystical forms. You become a little mystical yourself. <laughs> okay. So listen, uh, to begin, uh, the first pillar is everything is vibration. When you examine the ancient spiritual texts on our planet, whether it's the... Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, or any of the texts in the different traditions, including, for example, the Hindu or whatnot, in the beginning was the Word, and the Lord said, let there be light. In the beginning was Brahman, with whom was the Word, and all these different traditions in Egypt, in 
the Far East and Buddhism, etc., they all have, in the uh, Native American traditions, they all talk about the original creational uh, force as being that of vibration or sound. And something that our modern quantum physicists talk a lot about these days, and that is that uh, there's a, if you like, a concept called superstring theory, that there are all these multiple dimensions or universes that are vibrating slightly at a different frequency than each other, which allows them like a vibrating string that creates harmonics. All these multiverses coincide together at the same uh, place. So once again, there is vibration. Now, as a real quick education, look, as a musician, you know this, but I, I think that I'll just state it again, obviously, because Sound has, look, I've been in this field for over 40 years, if you like, and um, it is now getting to a place of where yoga was uh, just a few years ago. It's really, really getting mainstream consciousness. I love it. But you say to people, you know, what is sound? And they're like, "Uh, it's something I hear. Okay. Bottom line is that sound is an energy that travels as a waveform. This waveform is measured in cycles per, per second. We call it hertz. And we hear from around 16 of these hertz to around 16,000. But our finny friends in the ocean can hear upwards of 180,000 cycles a second. So 10 times more than our greatest level creating sound. So just because we can't hear a sound doesn't mean that there isn't a sound being created. That's number one. Very, very important to understand that it's even though uh, we like to think of sound as happening in the audible range, that 16 to 16,000 hertz or 16,000 cycles a second. It's a whole lot more. And smaller, too, slower frequencies that basically are called extremely low frequencies. And they we can't really hear them as discernible sounds, but they do affect our brainwaves. So this is a whole interesting thing. Now, everything in our universe vibrates from the electrons moving around the nucleus of an atom to planets in distant galaxies moving around their suns. And once again, if they're in a state of vibration conceptually, they can at least be understood as being a sound, something our ancients understood. And this includes our body, every organ, every bone, every tissue. Every part of our body is in a state of vibration. And we are, if you like, like this wonderful overall orchestra that's playing the harmonic of health. And indeed, when we're feeling good, we say we're in sound health. But if we take this metaphor of the body being like this orchestra, what happens if the second violin player loses their sheet music? They play out of tune, they play out of harmony, pretty soon the entire string section sounds off, pretty soon the entire orchestra is sounding off, and this is akin to a part of our body losing its natural, healthy, resonant frequency. It begins to vibrate out of ease, harmony, out of harmony, and we say it is diseased. So the basic idea of using sound as a healing modality is simply what if we could somehow give the string player in this orchestra back the sheet music? What if we could somehow restore the correct vibrational 
resonance to that part of the body or the etheric field, the mind or the emotional body, whatever you want to call it, or the spirit, and put it back in resonance. This is the basic idea of using sound as a healing modality. And it is not only found in the traditions of sound, but it's also the basis of acupuncture, chiropractic, aromatherapy, chromotherapy, which is light, and all sorts of other different things basically have this idea of restoring to balance that which is out of balance. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cool. And just as an idea, if you think about it, in a lot of these traditions, energy that is blocked helps create imbalanced energy, and this blocked energy oftentimes causes pain, inflammation, etc., just as an idea. So if you can somehow use the sound to basically unblock the energy and create a smooth flow of energy, then you have also a healing coming on. So that's... uh, Basically, the idea everything is in vibration. Now, I'm going to take that one step further and say that there is, there are two different ways that sound affects us. One is the sound goes into our ears, into our brain, affecting our nervous system, our heart rate, and our respiration. And this is called psychoacoustics. Okay, psychoacoustics. And so when we're listening to music or when we're listening to each other speak, we are basically having psychoacoustics going into our brain and being affected by sound. The other is called vibroacoustics. And that is where sound goes into our body, going down to a cellular level, affecting our DNA, our molecular structure, etc., So two different ways, although they're not totally separate, because as I'm speaking to you, even in some small way, there's going to be a little speaker that uh, is on your end or a big speaker or whatnot, and the sound is going to be going into your your body on certain levels, being hit by your skin and all different parts of your body. So even there, you have your psychoacoustic with vibroacoustics. As as an example, here I have a, a tuning fork, and I'm hitting this, if I put it on my, my body like this, this is the sound is going directly, for the most part, into my body, going into one of the acupuncture meridians and uh, having its effect. If uh, you're not watching that, what I did was I hit a tuning fork, took the stem of the tuning fork, and put it on uh, part of my uh, chest, uh, an acupuncture point. That's just an example. With regard to this, I'm going to give you a quote from the New York Times science section. And Jahan, just to let you know that this is not really new, this quote is from the New York Times Science Section, February 8th, 1988, a while ago. Sound shaped into dazzling tool can make, break, or rearrange molecular structure and drum roll and levitate objects. Okay, so we're talking about something that is uh, fiercely powerful and Fiercely, fiercely mystical and sacred. So the idea that everything is in vibration. And incidentally, I keep talking. Do you have a question? Or should I continue going on? You should just continue. (laughs) It's your show. Okay, sir. So the second of these four pillars of sound healing is that intent is powerful. 
Back in the early 1980s, I was getting a degree from Lesley University researching the uses of sound for healing. A master's degree, it's very cool. And I had been basically collecting all this um, information for several years because I had had an experience in the late 1970s playing in a seaside bar in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I got uh, done with uh, the break with the band, strapped on my uh, Stratocaster, plugged in, began playing, and I looked out at the audience, and I like to say the light of God struck me uh, that night, because I looked out and I became aware that the ambiance in the club was one of negativity and violence. Now, I understood that a lot of the drugs and the intoxicants that people were imbibing were doing this, but I realized also that the music that I had been uh, playing was helping induce this uh, negativity. And I had been playing professionally, professionally for 15 years. I started when I was about 15 years uh, old, and um, I'd never had that thought. What, what if music can be used to make people feel good? It was that simple and that profound. And I went, whoa, I still, you know. And what happened in about a week, that thought shifted about 10 degrees and became, what if sound can be used to heal? And from there, doors just began to open. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience because basically this is, you know, at the time, probably about 1979, and there were was very little, if anything, there were maybe a half a dozen books from all the different traditions that existed talking about sound healing. And uh, there were probably about a half a dozen different uh, recordings that were designed as, quote, healing music. So it was an open field because uh, there was very, very little that had happened. So indeed, I began collecting all this information from these books, and then I would—I founded an organization called the Sound Healers Association that brought out people from throughout the planet who were working with sound for healing. And we would have monthly meetings. So I had some of the great pioneers and teachers from the mystical traditions, spiritual traditions, medical traditions. It was crazy, and it was a you know this this organizational uh, group of people would come uh, once a month and uh, meet at my house in uh, the Boston, uh, Massachusetts area. And uh, it was quite an extraordinary experience. So I had all this uh, information. And then I got uh, to uh, Lesley University because I thought that this really merited having a uh, degree. And then I continued collecting all this information. I'm sitting in front of a computer and I'm trying to correlate all the information. And it's not an alignment. You have Dr. X using a particular set of frequencies to resonate an organ, and Dr. Y using a completely different set of frequencies to resonate the same organ. You have Spiritual Master A, who's basically using a particular set of mantras to resonate the chakra, and Spiritual Master B using a completely different set of mantras to resonate the chakras. And yet they were all claiming success because this was so far back that there was no reason people were just making stuff up to try to sell something. They were sharing with me because it was their passion too. And I knew they were telling the truth. So I could not understand how this could be possible. I remember sitting back and rocking back and forth in this chair with my head in my hands going, how can this be? How can this be? 
it didn't make sense because I just really understood that sound, that everything was in a state of vibration. How could people have be working with different vibrations for the same thing? This inner voice said, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates the effect. It is also the intention of the person making and receiving the sound. And I wrote down these words, frequency plus intent equals healing. I'll repeat it again. Frequency plus intent equals healing. And I got to say that that was, that was 40 years ago. And back when I first came up with this one, well, I have to tell you, I was trying to talk with scientists, doctors, and the like about, you know, have you ever considered the importance of intentionality in the frequency? And they'd look at me like I was a person from another planet which I well may be, but they weren't supposed to know that. And um, it was very, very difficult. But of course, now you have people like Dr. Bruce Lipton and The Biology of Belief, very great book, Joe Dispenza and his You Are the Placebo, a woman named Lynn McTaggart who does the uh, intention experiments. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the water uh, molecule pictures of Masuro Emoto. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have brilliant stuff uh, where he basically would expose water to different frequencies, different intentionalities, and then freeze the water, photograph it through a dark field microscope as it was basically thawing out, if you like. And the what he found for the most part was that the, um, the water that was exposed to negative, either emotions, energy, or consciousness looked like mud. And the water that was exposed to positive, beneficial consciousness looked like snowflakes. And probably the most important one that I saw is one from water from the Fujiwara Dam in Japan, which was a polluted dam. And it looked like mud. You've probably seen this one. And then he had a Buddhist priest chant something called the Heart Sutra over it for about 20 minutes and re-photographed it. And it looks like a pristine snowflake. So, I, and I just, it's an extraordinary example of how intentionalized sound, which is what a prayer is, can really shift and change the vibrational levels. If it can change the molecular structure of water, how much of our body is composed of water? How much of our planet is composed of water? So, on a level, just think about how intentionalized sound can shift and change and create health and balance for ourselves and our planet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just suggest that frequency plus intent equals healing. And then I just want to add that I have tons of different toys, whether they're Tibetan bowls, crystal balls, tuning forks, guitars, keyboards, you name it, I got it. And they're all great. But the most healing instrument is our voice. It doesn't require electricity, no batteries are needed, the owner's manual is relatively easy. And we can carry it with us wherever we go. So one of the things that I've been really focusing on 
with people in the last few years, particularly my wife has been doing with me. We've been basically sharing with people how to consciously hum. And perhaps I'll share that with you in a minute once I get done with the fabulous four pillars, because we just got done with number two, which is intent is powerful. Number three, we are all unique vibratory beings. Jahan, this is so important. We are all unique vibratory beings. Oftentimes, when I do a workshop, I'll ask people, how many of you are allergic to penicillin? And we'll get anywhere from 5 to 20% of an audience will raise their hand. And I'll say, okay, if everything in the universe is in a state of vibration, then penicillin is a vibration or a sequence of vibrations. And for 80% of you, it's going to be a healing vibration. But for 20%, it's going to be toxic. And, I th and therefore, I say, so you have to understand, not everything is going to work for everyone. Well, you know, you find people with food allergies, they have allergies to X, Y, or Z. We're not all the same. And this is really important in order to empower ourselves in terms of understanding how sound can be used to heal and transform. Because somebody may say, hey, this is a great frequency. This is a healing frequency. This healing frequency will work. And if you don't feel anything, or if it doesn't work for you, or worse, if you have a negative reaction, don't feel bad. You know, because it's really important that we really trust our inner self, or our authentic self. And if something feels good, great. If it doesn't, you've got to trust that and find there are a gazillion other frequencies and sounds on the planet. If you're allergic to tuna fish, man, there are a gazillion other things you can eat. So you don't want to subject yourself to that. So as a concept, you know, there are, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, if you like, focus on certain frequencies as being healing frequencies. And if you buy that, that's fine. I really want to honor that because you have a belief that it is and it feels good for you. And okay, I'm going to honor that. But I don't think it's going to be for everyone. I've been in this field way too long and I've seen too many things. And Jahan, I could basically sit here and talk to you for a couple of minutes and then hit a tuning fork or whatnot and say, this this is going to heal you of X, Y, or Z, and it well might have the effect because our consciousness travels on the sound. And depending upon how sensitive you are and how spiritually advanced or whatnot, you might pick it up immediately and have that experience. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying I think it's important not to limit our experience with the power of different sounds. Still with me? Yep, still here. Okay. So once again, sound is visceral, visceral and whatever resonates and what we feel, we have to honor. And if it works for us, we got to honor it. If it doesn't work, we must also honor that. The fourth pillar of sound healing is silence is golden. Silence is golden. Silence is the yin to the yang of sound. It is a place where the true shift and change occurs after you've had a vibrational resonance with the sound. In the silence, the real shift and change can occur, and we really need to honor this. 
it took me a long time to learn this because as a uh, musician and particularly as a person getting into sound healing, man, I was so enamored with the power of sound that it took me probably 15 to 20 years to really get how important silence was. You know, the word silent is an anagram of the word si silent is an anagram of the word listen. They have the same letters, listen and silent. So it's like you have to listen within in the space of the silence, and then you can really connect to the divine, to what you might call the authentic self. And this is very important because a lot of people, as when they first get into sound, they become so enamored with it that they just, they don't stop and they don't realize that more is not necessarily better, louder is not necessarily better, and silence is really important. I'm going to repeat these four pillars for you, okay? Everything is vibration, number one. Number two, intent is powerful. Number three, we are all unique vibratory beings. Number four, silence is golden. And these are actually the four first secrets of my book, The Seven Secrets of Sound Healing. All right. I'm going to allow you a question before I go on. <laughs> just one question i don't know what to ask you i love how you pointed out that um you have to honor the belief that certain things will be healing or not because i find that that is one thing that has gone way far these days you know those youtube videos where it's like 528 hertz and it'll give yeah, you the list yeah, of yeah. things but that doesn't necessarily make logical sense to me if i told you that i was the uh first person to have a tuning fork and use that frequency on the planet. I know about 528, yeah. and it's great, but uh, it's it's not in my belief system that you can limit it, limit a particular frequency to um, some sort of aspect of consciousness, whether you believe that it's a frequency for creating miracles or the frequency for uh, DNA uh, repair or the frequency of love. I mean, right. how crazy would it be if a mother would have to be looking at a guitar tuner uh, when she's cooing a lullaby to her baby to make sure that she's projecting the energy of love? It doesn't work that exactly. way. <laughs> exactly. I've thought of similar things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pause for a breath for a moment and say that was a very good question. And once again, if somebody believes that this does it, I know better than to argue with them and say, hey, that's ridiculous. Because if you have that as a belief system, that's okay. I'll just tell you a real quick story. Many years ago, I got a phone call from somebody. And uh, they said, okay, I'd like to speak to a Dr. Goldman. And I said, okay, I wasn't a doctor, but it's all right. I said, who is this? And he said he was a doctor. I said, great. And he said, he, I said, he works with tuning forks. I said, great. I said, we work with, you know, what tuning forks do you use? Because there are a lot of different sets of tuning forks. And he said, I work with the frequency of ohm. And I said, okay. I said, I appreciate that. But you know, there is no frequency of ohm. I said, that's a very interesting marketing tool. And what they actually did was uh, work with what may be the frequency of the orbital distance of the uh 
planet Earth. It may be that, you know, that's questionable, but, it, it, you know, playing with the math, mathematics, I said, but listen, I said, om, 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 I like that. I said, I said, did you hear that? He said, yes. I said, if there was a frequency for om, then I couldn't be making those other sounds because ohm would be limited to one frequency. And he hung up. He couldn't take it. It didn't do the belief system. And uh, not much I could do about that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I have a, um, a book that I wrote with uh, my beloved wife, Andy, called The Humming Effect, which I'm just going to hold up for uh, somehow if this you can see it. And it's a, it's actually a best-selling award-winning book. I've worked with <clears throat> Tibetan overtones and all sorts of mantras and all sorts of things for so long. And it's great. And I have taught people so many different things of <clears throat> harmonics and stuff like that. But the thing is that we would teach people this we'd have a audience of a few hundred people and i you know and i'd teach them all these wonderful exercises and all this stuff and i'd come back a year later and say okay how many of you have this uh you know have been doing this as a daily practice and nobody would be doing it and i go okay there's something going on and bottom line was i said i you know i said to my wife andy we've got to find a sound that everybody can work with all the time Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of different, I mean, it's always been this way, but particularly, you know, in the last, you know, decade or so, there have been all these shows like American Idol or The Voice that's, you know, stress who's got the best voice. And it has brought into our consciousness terms like pitchy and all this other stuff. And people really, really, really judge other people's voices as being good or bad so much that they're really, really judgmental about their own own voice. Well, how, you know, remember I said that the uh, most powerful healing instrument is the voice. Well, how can you start using your voice for healing if you're totally judgmental and freaked out about using it? Mm-hmm. So I said, Andy, her name is Andrea, said, Andy, said, what, uh, what's the sound that people make that are, they're not judgmental about? What's the sound? Hmm. And we looked at each other, we went, hmm, the hum. We realized that everybody hums, babies, the elderly, people hum when they're happy. They unconsciously hum all the time. We thought, okay, let's write a book on humming. Because I'd you know, written books on all sorts of different things, but n- never humming. And this was the first professionally published book ever written on the subject of humming. And as we got deeper and deeper into it, it became extraordinarily profound to the degree that, for example, there's something called the Yoga Sutras, which is the basis of all yoga. Yeah. And uh, written by a guy named Pantanjali. I just recently read that book again. Okay, so turn to Sutra 1.27, and this is Goldman's translation of that, but it basically says something close to, the original sound of creation was pranava, the humming of prana. They had to give it a name. So they called it Om. The Om came from the hum. So I'm finding this stuff out and finding out that there's a, 
really advanced yogic technique called Brahmari Pranayama that's more or less nothing but humming. We realize that there is something to this hum that is really profound. But how are we going to get people to take humming seriously? Unless we make the first chapter nothing more or less than what they call peer-reviewed scientific data on how sound and particularly how the hum can affect us. And so I'm going to share with you now some of the therapeutic benefits of the physiological effects of the hum. Are you ready, sir? Yes, I am. First thing it does is it increases oxygen in your cells. Very cool. It increases lymphatic circulation. Now the next one, this is a big drum roll on this. This may be the most important. It lowers blood pressure and heart rate. That's huge. People are so stressed out. If they just do conscious humming, and I'm going to be sharing conscious humming with you uh, in a few minutes because it's really easy and really important for anybody who's listening for you to share with anybody, but it lowers heart rate and blood pressure. Um, I mentioned this fellow named Bruce Lipton. I don't know if you ever heard of him, the biology of belief. Here's a quote that he wrote. I highly recommend the humming effect for all those impacted by the stress of modern world. It is a powerful non pharmaceutical prescription for self-healing that has only positive side effects such as harmony, health, and happiness. So, very cool. So the next things you get, uh, lowered blood pressure and heart rate, very, very important. If you're about to do something and you find yourself a little stressed out, just take a couple of nice deep breaths and do a hum, and it'll chill things out almost instantaneously. Next one, you get increased levels of melatonin, Melatonin, of course, is really good for, among other things, uh, uh, enhancement of sleep, as well as treatment of depression. You get reduced levels of stress-related hormones, like cortisol. So it cuts down cortisol, which is a stress hormone. You get the release of endorphins, which are those wonderful self-created opiates that work as natural pain relievers. And then here's another drum roll. You get increased levels of nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator that relaxes and widens blood vessels, number one. But number two, it's also an antiviral agent, which means that when you hum, you get 15 times the amount of nitric oxide in your nasal cavity. And that is a, if you like, a pharmaceutical level that is good enough to kill the critters that lodge in your sinus cavity before it goes into our other parts of the body. So if you can hear that and get that humming, it's really powerful. You also get, incidentally, the release of oxytocin, which is the trust hormone. So if you hum, and particularly you hum with somebody else, you'll be in resonance together. And finally, you also get increased heart rate variability, which basically is very, very important in terms of all sorts of aspects of not only stress, but heart health, and uh, it tones the vagus nerve as well. I'm taking a breath. <sighs> that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So this is all real, and this is found in The Humming Effect. Would you like to learn how to consciously hum, sir? Sure, yeah. Okay. The first thing 
that you want to do before you try, try to do this, because I'm going to encourage that anybody that's listening, do try this and then try it on yourself. The first thing you want to do is you want to just check yourself out and you know check in and see how you're doing. How are you feeling? Because once you've done the hum, you need to uh, see and you, you know, check out how you feel after the hum. Then uh, if you haven't checked out how you felt beforehand, it won't be as good. So check yourself out. The second one is, like everything else, you want to work with deep and relaxed breath. Okay, deep and relaxed breath. Slow, deep, diaphragmatic breathing. Okay, that's really mandatory. That's the basis of everything, but slow, deep, diaphragmatic breathing. The next one, and this is very, very important, is you want to keep your lips closed, okay? So if I have my lips closed and then I slowly open them, I'm going to go, so the sound is going out, which is why when your lips are closed, the sound is totally self-contained and particularly resonating in the nasal cavity, but in other cavities as well, and that's why it's the most powerful vibroacoustic sound. You, will you play a game with me for just a moment? You ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, oh, the other thing about the... Uh, two other things before we do the game, and then we'll do it. Uh, we're going to... When you hum, just hum on one note. You don't want to be doing the 1812 Overture or, <laughs> or the theme from Titanic, whatever you want, just one note. So you're really vibrating in one place as opposed to moving all around. So that really empowers the frequency. And also, you, you want to hum in a comfortable pitch. And particularly, comfortable pitch somewhere within your normal speaking range. A lot of people are looking for the their signature sound, their the sound, you know, their frequency, their tone. It's usually within your vocal range of speaking. It's that simple. It's that simple. And before I go any further, I just want to suggest, you know, if we talk about frequency plus intent, and the voice being mo- you know, perhaps the most powerful healing instrument, that I want to ask people to be aware that when they're having a conversation, they can be using their voice as a healing instrument if they are encoding it with energy that is positive, such as compassion, gratitude, appreciation. This is so important because we oftentimes, we use our voice for the opposite effect, you know, putting projecting anger and all this other stuff. Really watch yourself when you're speaking and try to be kind. It's so very, very important. And you can affect the nervous system of other people this way, as well as just their their whole vibrational level by basically being in conversation and working with kindness. Does that make sense? It does make sense to me. Okay. Now, uh, so we're humming in a comfortable pitch, and we're humming on one note. Now we're going to play a little game. It's just, it's, it's easy. I want you to start humming. And then pinch your, and make sure your lips are closed, and then pinch your nose tight. Okay, you ready to try it? Okay. Make sure your lips are closed. <laughs> what happened? You they can't shut off the sound. Hum. You can't hum if your nose is pinched. Now, the reason I have people do that is I say, okay, most people don't know that. Did you know that? I just learned it. 
here you go. And um, I say, okay, if you didn't know this about the hum, do you think perhaps there are some other things that might occur through the power of the hum? Are you open for this now? You ready? 100%. Okay. So we're going to do the next thing in terms of, we call these protocols of uh, conscious humming, is you, uh, you want to hum a minimum of three to five times. Okay? So, you know, we're, we're going to do it four times, somewhere in between then. And then you want to be in silence for an equal amount of time. Now, because this is a podcast, we're not going to do that because it's dead air and people go, what's going on? So we'll just be in silence for a few seconds and then I'll speak. But normally you want to be in uh, silence for an equal amount of time. I'm going to repeat these uh, protocols for you before you try it, okay? Number one, check yourself out. Number two, remember to do deep and relaxed breathing. Number three, keep your lips closed. Number four, hum one note at a time. Just mm. Number five, hum at a comfortable pitch. Louder is not better. Don't strain yourself. Make sure it's comfortable. Number six, hum a minimum of three to five times. Number seven, be in silence for an equal amount of time. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, so let's take a couple of nice deep breaths. You ready? Yeah. Mm. Again. Again. And I'm hoping that everybody sounded along with me. Uh, I think some people might have been waiting for a while. But if you did, you would feel very, feel like blissed out. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's real. Once again, if you experience it yourself, then it's real. And this, you know, uh, it's a very powerful, easy tool. And normal, I'm speaking where I would normally be silent and let people sort of buzz out because uh, it's quite amazing. And, uh, and I'd like to suggest that uh, in our book, The Humming Effect, we have all sorts of different levels that you can take the hum. And it's really profound. But I wanted to share this immediately with you and anybody who listens through time and space because this is really, really powerful. It's a great introduction to how we can use sound for healing.
And I hope this has been helpful for you. Yeah, this has been great. <laughs> I hope cool. that everybody is really um, taking in the effects of that humming. I still feel buzzed. Oh, yeah. And I have to tell you, I have a humming practice, which sounds hilarious. But for about five minutes a day, I will hum. And then I got to be silent for five minutes because you get so blissed out that if you were to try to get up and walk, you might fall over. It's that powerful. So just remember, folks, be in silence an equal amount of time after you've hummed. And uh, I want to invite people to come visit me at my website, which is an award-winning website called, and it's healingsounds.com, healingsounds.com. I also have a pretty good YouTube channel called Jonathan Goldman Official. And uh, there's lots and lots of different activities in healingsounds.com. We got all sorts of free downloads for people, very, very cool downloads of different uh, chakra tuner type things and different uh, healing code things. It's uh, as well as having different toys and so we call them sonic tools, whether they're tuning forks or whatnot, you know, music, books, etc. So it's a really great website and we invite people to go there. And uh, it'll open up a whole new world for you. Fantastic, Jonathan. Thanks for being on the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Well, listen, just blessings to you. And you uh, keep sounding your life. Last thing I want to say, we heal the planet. We heal ourselves. We heal ourselves and we heal the planet. We have a choice and we can make a difference. Fantastic. Thank you.